Hey guys, we actually just opened up our Instagram account for the Good Flight podcast, and we're going to be using that to kind of announce our guests ahead of time. So you can come in and ask questions to get a whole like series of you guys asking questions to the guests so that we can kind of force them to answer those for you. So go over and follow the Good Flight podcast on Instagram, and we're going to use that to kind of generate feedback down the road from you. So uh, please go over there and follow that, and we're going to create better segments of the show Thanks for flying the good flight. Hey everyone, we're back again with another episode of the Good Flight Podcast. This one is going to be fantastic. We have an incredible guest with us who's going to tell us lots about how to build drones and kind of how he got started in the industry. We're going to get into some great conversation with that. Towards the end of the episode, we're also going to get into a React pilot session where we're going to see different drones uh, videos about from air views, and it's going to be incredible. Paul, who do we got today? Yeah, so I was trying to think of a good way to introduce this individual. I mean, I could talk about his nearly 200,000 YouTube subscribers. I could talk about his millions of views, the the countless people that he's helped, you know, get flying, stay flying, maybe forced out of flying, who knows. Um, and the the thing that I always remember the most about this guest, and it, it impressed me to, to no end, is that, um, you know, they... Joshua Bardwell, of course, is our guest, uh, got his start, or I think the first thing that really kicked off, and I'm going to ask him a little bit about it, was doing black box log reviews. Like People would just upload their black box logs to, um, gosh, what is the name of the, the forum? that we we all used to be on i'm totally blanking on it was it a, some type of chat room was it rc Facebook? groups yeah that's right rc groups and for for years this the joshua kept doing this and it was it was amazing it was impressive and i was just like how in the world can you spend time doing that fast forward it seemed like that sort of one-to-one stuff had stopped or at least wasn't as like a prominent part of who they were at their core. And when I became a member of Rotor Riot, I went to Seattle with Rotor Riot. Bardwell was there as well. And and I remember getting up one morning, like six in the morning to get ready for the day's shoots. And there's Bardwell sitting at the kitchen table of the Airbnb that we're at with a coffee on his laptop. I'm just like, oh, good morning. What are you up to? And he's like, oh, I'm just answering emails. And I'm like, what, what emails? He's like, oh, I, I spend two hours a day just responding to people and helping people. And I'm like, wait, so you're still to this day you have kept to your brand for the entire run of what you've been doing and stayed on point by being that point person for one-to-one help that's absolutely incredible and that's kind of the reason why i think joshua fits the good flight motif perfectly so joshua welcome to the show how are you doing tonight i'm doing good thank you guys very much for having me and for saying such nice things about we can me. say bad things too but we'll, we'll yeah <laughs> <laughs> the show's about the good thing. So is that true? Like, it, it, and I might be totally missing something, but it, it, the first time that I, at least I heard about you had been through those early black box log deep dive. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's where I first started getting subscribers. I, I had a couple other videos that I had posted beforehand, but I, I was wanting to learn more about black box logging and just what the PID controller was doing. And I, I didn't have enough 
information just based on my own quads. So I, I was on RC groups. I started asking people if they would just post their logs and then I would look at them. And then I did. And I sort of talked about what I was learning, what I was seeing. And that's, I got my first maybe five, 600 subscribers just doing that, just posting videos about that stuff. Just hustling hard. Just that, I mean, that, that's like, that's dedication. That's hard work. And honestly, it's something that not a lot of people really do. I mean, I, I know a lot of people in the FPV hobby at this point and a small percentage of those even to this day go into black box. I mean, well, it's, it's interesting because black box logging is less necessary in some ways than it ever was because the PID controller is smarter and smarter and, and the defaults are better and better. And so the ability to slap a default tune on a quad and then it just flies pretty good is great. But on the flip side, the problems that you run into now are such edge cases that if you do run into a problem, you kind of have to have black box uh, to solve it. Yeah. So, I mean, I've honestly, I've never even used black box. I'm the guy that puts the, uh, pretty much the default tune on my, on my beta flight quad. After watching some of your videos, I'll do the adjustments with the filters and, you know, the RPM filters and things like that. I'll pretty much just set it up. However, however, Joshua says it, that's how I'm setting it up. And it's like pretty amazing. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of lazy. I mean, for someone who works so hard, I'm, I'm surprisingly lazy. What I mean by that is, like I, I kind of just want to fly my learning about black box had to do with wanting the quad to fly better. But now that you can put default PIDs on there, and then I've got a couple other changes that I make and I basically make the same changes to every quad. And then if something bad happens, maybe I'll start to dig deeper or maybe I just won't fly that quad and I'll be like, I'm getting on with my <laughs> life. But I, there are PID tuning changes that I make. But I seldom find myself going, oh, I have to solve this. Because once it flies like 90% good, I would much rather focus on being a better pilot than focus on getting a better tune. I'm very much the same way, uh, especially with my building. Like people look at my builds and they're like, oh, you're a professional at this. I'm like, no, 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 no. I get it in the air and then the yeah. magic happens. I don't care about what it looks like because I don't see what it looks like. It's just let's. I'm the same way. <laughs> Yeah, people people doing like wire loom and they just make these beautiful builds and I'm like minute you crash it it is all gone it's all for nothing and there's some chance you're going to crash it or lose it and I'm just like I don't see the quad when I'm flying I see what's in front of it. Yeah. So I really don't care how the quad as long as it's mechanically sound and flies good enough I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah, that's absolutely. The, that's the classic FPV answer to a lot of that stuff like um I remember being at a quad camp with safety thirds. I was like, does anyone use any uh, lubricant, uh, any, uh, you know, for the motors, um, for the bearings? And they're like, fly them until they uh, fall apart, dude. You know, stuff like that. That's just the classic. People always ask me about like batteries. Like, oh, do you storage charge your batteries as soon as you get back from the field? I'm like, nah, I'm going to, I'm going to kinetically destroy them before I chemically destroy them. It's, uh, Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Largely, largely. I mean, you should still, I still, I still storage charge. Like I try to stop flying when they're roughly at, well, 3.6, maybe they're resting 3.6 to 3.7. I don't rush to storage charge them usually. They're fully charged and I know I'm not going to go fly after a day or two. I'll put them on storage, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm never intentionally leaving them that way, but do I sweat it? Nah. No, it's, I don't sweat yeah. it. But rewinding back to those black box days, like I love that the mentality was to learn by educating, right? That's one of the best ways to learn is to then teach it back because it forces you to learn 
better and better and better. Um, and I try to do some of the same things in any point of life that I can. But kind of flashing back to then, was it your intention to garner a following? I'm not saying for no. like, yeah, so, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, definitely not. Definitely not. I mean, I was, uh, I've always, uh, so I was a professional instructor. I was a class corporate classroom instructor, not like university or, or academic, but like you bought our software and then you, I go to your company and sit in a classroom with your engineers for a week, teaching you how to use it, that kind of thing. So I was doing teaching basically straight out of college for about 10, 11 years. Uh, and I always really enjoyed that aspect of, of helping people do something better, be better, be happier by so- helping them solve problems uh, teaching them. And, uh, so when I, I just always approach, like before I was into quads, I, uh, I did welding, just hobby welding <laughs> for fun. And I was making like thinking about tutorials and stuff. That's just how I always process information. So I was always wanting to connect with people who wanted to learn from the stuff that I was doing. But the idea of kind of getting a following, getting a YouTube subscribers and becoming uh, I, that was never really on the cards. I remember the first time somebody said, dude, you should do a Patreon. This was around, I had thousands of subscribers, single digit thousands probably. Yeah. And they were like, you should do a Patreon. And I was like, oh, no Patreon. I'm just making videos. Who really cares? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, but so that's, that's continued to grow obviously. And, and I think it seems to me that at a certain point you kind of clicked over and said, this is now what I can be doing full time. I remember, I think, you made a video where you're just like, yeah. Hey guys, guess what? I'm cutting it off. I'm, I'm going for this. What happened between I make videos because I want to learn and I can now do this as a career. Like what's that like, you know, for people that want to go that path, how do, how do they do it? My answer yeah. is don't. <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> the, and the, and then like, you know, describe for that path to me, like what, you know, what happened along the way? When did, when did you realize that you might have a shot at it? So I started making videos and I just felt like I had so much to say that I I was making at the beginning, I was making between five and seven videos a week. I would post something nearly every day. Uh, and the videos didn't have the same sort of, I don't, I, now I'm, I'm closer to four to five videos a week. Sure. Uh, and which is still insane. <laughs> true. There are a lot more, there are a lot more. It used to be, I would just sit down. I would just talk for 10 minutes. And I'd post the video yep. and that was my video for the day. But I was just got into a rhythm of posting almost every day. And I, I had people like, well, well, how do you come up with content? And it was like, it's great because people ask you questions and bring you their content. Right. So I got into that rhythm. I got subscribers. I started building a Patreon. I started uh, building affiliate income. And one day I looked at those numbers and it was enough to pay my bills. And, uh, I was like, Oh, cause I could, I had always thought of it as supplemental income. Yeah. Like now I can buy quad parts and I don't have to justify it to the household budget. <laughs> but I was like, I could just quit my job. Uh, and then I was like, well, if you find yourself in that situation, you've just got to go for it because you, because so many people who want to make a full-time living out of it are, in, they're not in this. They, they would have to take a risk. Right. And there was risk, obviously yeah, yeah. it could just dry up tomorrow. But a lot of people, they say, I'm going to, should I quit my job and then try and make a living at YouTube? And I'm like, no, because it's going to take you but like, how do I do it? I'm like, make videos every day for two or three years for free. And maybe at the end of that, 
you'll be able to make a living at it. Hundred percent. Yeah. At that time, you know, were, did you have trepidation about it? Did you have some confidence that it was going to be fine? I don't remember if you're married or not, but you've lived with a partner yeah, for a long time. You have. Thank a, you. It's true. Son. Thank you for not making it done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, I don't. What? I don't mind, but I appreciate it. We need yeah. to talk about the partners a little bit uh, because that honestly, I feel like we all have kind of similar stories, and it's the support that we have from our partners that I think allowed us to get this far for the love of drones because I wouldn't be here without the support of my wife and like my family because even though I do have a history in YouTube I was more like the drone guy for a lot of popular YouTube channels that's how I kind of entered into the YouTube space it's the same kind of pursuit the pursuit of making it work with something doing something that you love that takes years and I don't think that's just with drones that's with probably a lot of different things and you know those people that are they've asked me those same type of questions like how do I get to where you are where I'm like you know how how did you get started in this well I made like a a pretty clear you know decision to say hey I'm going to invest myself and my time and a little bit of money to like buy my first buy the equipment that I need to make this successful, but then I'm going to like sweat and like blood, sweat and tears to get through there and also figure out how to be sustainable and pay my bills with some side jobs. You got to have some side hustles too. You know what I mean? The way to make it work, uh, you hear people, I I hear stories sometimes and they're like, well, I quit my job and I'm going to be a YouTube star. It's like you, it's, that's a tough one. (laughs) The way to make it, it work is to do it as a side hustle. But the problem is, that it is such a grind, you literally are going to be just working basically two full-time jobs, your day job and then your side hustle. And you, you unless you get extraordinarily lucky, you're not going to make any money at it, maybe ever, but certainly for six months or a year or maybe longer. We can all think of examples of people, like there's a channel I watch called Girlfriend Reviews. They do video game reviews. And they posted their first video and they just immediately got tens of thousands. It just blew up. And I'm like, that is not going to be you. You just got to want to do it so bad that you do it for free for a long time. And then eventually you start to get discovered, whether that's professionally or on YouTube. I don't, that's the only way I know how to do it. I think the whole YouTube famous thing too is a bit of a slippery slope as well. Like I think with the younger generation, I'm talking high schoolers and even younger, they see YouTube being a YouTuber as a career path. I think it's probably like one of the top 10, you know, <laughs> if you were interview a bunch of kids in junior high, they one out of 10, uh, at least would be like, I'm going to be a YouTuber. Yeah. I, I can tell you from my experience, which again is like, so when I first started in drones, I was, like I said, the drone guy for some, for some channels that had over 10 million subscribers. Let's, let's name drop a couple. Yeah, sure. I did work with uh, Prank versus Prank. They had over 10 million subscribers, Jesse Wellens um, and his girlfriend. Uh, I went to Peru with them. I've also did uh, worked with Casey Neistat and Jesse when they did like the Aladdin video through New York City and San Francisco. I was like the second camera slash like DP on that, you know. So yeah, pretty much Casey Neistat and, and Prank versus Prank. There you go. Boom. Like that's like 20 yeah. million subscribers right there. <laughs> At the uh, time. Yeah. Now it's more. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not trying to take away anything you guys are doing because I, I see it's different. You're you're attached to a community 
as tight as it is with drones versus their audience base, which is, you know, international kids, pretty much. Even at that level, there was a lot of uncertainty with their attitudes towards their lifestyles and stuff like that. So Hmm. granted, they were making some money, but they weren't really... I don't want to like speak for them. I'm sure they're never going to watch this, but they didn't seem like very happy when I was around them at all. Mm-hmm. And they were all talking about the same stuff that we're talking about. What's going to go viral? What should the thumbnail be? And you know, <laughs> what's the clickbait title? Meanwhile, they're like, mad- madly successful at the time too. So yeah, it, it's, I think it's a, it's e- an easy trap for any self-employed person to get into to always be low grade terrified that it's all going to dry up, that one day the phone's going to stop ringing. And that is magnified in a world where you are you are at the whims of the YouTube algorithm, which total. I mean, like if you actually have a brick and mortar business, probably it's not going to just disappear in one day. You're like going to see it coming over a course of a couple months, maybe yeah, or like a pandemic but, or something comes in. You, you can. <laughs> yeah, like literally YouTube could just decide they don't like you anymore. I mean, it's not it's not quite that bad, but. It feels that way. And so you're always trying to think about that grind and it really does drive you. And I imagine it only gets worse. You don't get more security when you have 10 million subs. It gets scarier because now you have more money, more stuff at, uh, at stake. For me, the place that I take a little bit of security from is that at the end of the day, the YouTube channel is a, a, a uh, conduit to an audience and that connection with the audience hopefully is exists independent of that. I have I have patrons on Patreon, you know, who sign up for a monthly, you know, couple bucks a month, whatever. And one of the things that I thought of when I moved to full time is that even if 100% of the YouTube and 100% of the affiliates dry up, the Patreon is probably not just going to disappear overnight you know, and I will be able to sort of hopefully ride that out a little bit. Um, it's been okay, but yeah, you're, you, you have to play a whole bunch of different games, not just be successful at what you do, but also then be successful at social media and YouTube. And it's a whole different thing. It's actually really challenging to like, how much of my brain do I spend thinking about how to be successful on YouTube versus thinking about drones and, you know, originally it was like 95.5 and I just didn't even think about YouTube. Yeah. But the more I rely on it as an income source, the more <clears throat> space it has to take in my brain and the less time I've th- been thinking about flying, which is a challenge. And would you say YouTube, I, I assume you're probably not focusing so much on just like YouTube as a platform, but on content creation as a whole, on yeah. on finding a way to generate an audience, um, just I just want to throw that out there to everybody listening like that. It's not just about, Oh, how do I do this on YouTube? It's, it's how do I build an audience and keep them engaged and keep them excited? It's it's every step of it. I mean, I spend a, I'm really, I enjoy video production. I used to do uh, audio recording back when I was in my twenties. I recorded stuff. I did some studio recordings just for fun. And now I'm in video production and I do all the sort of, but I'm like, I spend a lot of time thinking about how can I get better image quality from a camera? Uh, how can I, you know, massage the algorithm to get more, get more views from my videos, what topics are going to be popular and so on. So it's all, there's so many parts of it and it's hard to start out and you're doing it all yourself. And it's hard. Like I have an editor that I, that I pay and he edits 95% of my stuff, at least first pass edits. I usually go back through it and kind of tweak it a little just for my own, just to make myself feel like I'm useful. The ability to outsource that was a big, big move that freed up 
time to do other things. Mm -hmm. I wish I could outsource more of it. Yeah. I think you were talking about a little bit before with Patreon, you're talking about diversifying a little bit, right? Like what are some other ways you've diversified yourself over the years? I know you're involved with Rotor Riot. Like, can you talk about those other partnerships or those other just vehicles that, that help you know that, Hey, this isn't going away overnight. You're involved with these different communities and different companies. Yeah. I mean, that for me was the ultimate fallback when I decided to go full time was that even if all of these income streams dry up, I have relationships with uh, companies like with like Rotor Riot, like Get a PV, like Race Day Quads, and I just have people are aware of me as a person with this skill set. So I I hope that if all of it did dry up for some reason, that there would be other opportunities to use these skills. Uh, obviously, I like doing what I do. I like just being able to get up and make videos or do whatever I want to do. If I was uh, I don't take a lot of consulting work because I really don't, I just want to do whatever I want to do mm-hmm. when someone, I have a deliverable with a deadline and then someone's <laughs> going to tell me I didn't do it right. I'm not really, I'm not really into that. Who is, <laughs> but that's the hope is that if it were to dry up, then there would be relationships with, with companies and other people in the, in the industry. Relationships. I mean, that yeah. seems to be like the core of every, I don't want to say like business one oh one, but it's hard to understand relationships when you don't have any, but I can certainly say that going out there and helping people like the way you are doing is a great way to make relationships, you know, because you're helping people. And that's kind of how I, over the years, uh, I work not just for my company, Flying Monster, but there's half a dozen or 10 other companies around the country that I work with pretty frequently. There's a company in in Florida that I work with. There's two companies in in Los Angeles that I work with on the cinema side. And I know that, hey, when I'm a little bit slow or something, that there might be a call or something that pops in there. So it's the same thing. And that's the only way I've been able to sustain doing what I'm doing, which is, you know, working with drones every day. It's because of those relationships. Paul, what about you? Like, how, how are, like, what about your relationships? Like, do you feel the same way? Is this a common theme here? Yeah, it's, it is definitely about the diversity of, of them and, and figuring out how to foster true relationships, right? It's, I never want, is that like, is that part of what DRL is? Like, you're, 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 you know, we just, we had Gab on the show. I mean, you have a good, great relationship with Gab and stuff. In terms of, like the different kinds of relationships like I, and, I, and I try to push on a lot of different directions right i push on racing i push on filming i push on content creation and i've actually been pushing on a little bit of consulting so it's kind of funny that joshua was just bashing that because that, i actually really like that part of it um but uh you know in having the opportunity to look at each of those pushes back on me in a bunch of different ways right the more i race and the more i'm involved in the racing community the better i'm at handling pressure and the better i'm handling it handling pressure, the better work I can do when I'm on set filming. And when I spend time learning how to film better, I can, it goes back into my content creation and doing content creation is a grind. It gives me the drive to push harder on racing. And it just kind of goes in this, this cycle. And, and so, you know, building those relationships builds me up. And, and that's what I want to keep it about is, is how do I continue to improve on myself by reaching out and being involved as, in as much as I possibly can. So I, I want to circle back to something that John was talking about um, was with the, uh, you know, you're saying that the, the YouTubers that you were working with didn't seem, seem happy because they were so focused on the aspects of the grind. Yeah. But do you think that potentially the 
grind is now the focus and and as a result you know what they and we i guess work so hard to make look fun even though it is to a degree like the success is fun the 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 process is fun good projects good good times do you think that the holy cow i'm just going right off the end do you, do you think that that's you know it, it's gone and become a job now do you, i guess joshua do you feel like well, it's, yeah. it's just a is it just a job is it more I, I, than i wouldn't a job? say it's i wouldn't say it's just a job but i mean paul you made a point in a, in a chat uh, a little while back where you were saying that it was a big insight for you to realize that this was a job which is not to say you don't do it for fun like you could you could do something for a job and then also do it for fun mm-hmm. ideally those two things overlap but you said it was a big insight for you where you realize it was a job. And at the end of the day, you were accountable to your customer. And as long as your customer is happy and you're making money, then you're doing it right. Then, and you know, that's that the uh, a willingness to treat it like a job and to realize that's what it is. I mean, I think that, that you, that's something that is missing. A lot of people see it very personally mm-hmm. And you see these sort of dramatastic explosions whenever two companies or the you know have an argument or or somebody, you know, whatever. There's t- things that cause these drama blowups. A lot of people who see it as not just a job, but like it's like a soap opera that they're watching, and they get this <laughs> juice out of participating in it. But you know that doesn't mean that it can't be fun. Anytime you do something, and if you stop doing it, you won't make money anymore, and you have to you're not going to be able to pay the bills. There's pressure there. Mm-hmm. I mean, but everybody lives under that pressure in one form or another. And so it's, it is a, still a privilege to be able to do something that you enjoy, but you don't enjoy it in the same way right. once you're doing it professionally. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it, it's not it, – it, I definitely enjoy every day of what I'm doing, but there are definitely days it, where it, it's work. It, I mean, it, it's always work. work. Like I, we I've, I've probably worked 12 to 14 hours a day for the last – like three weeks yeah. straight with and every minute every minute you're like well i'm gonna go fly some packs okay well which video do i need to make yeah. or how am i gonna how am i gonna translate this into content yeah. like every single thing i do the, i just put some freaking i just put a freaking battery lead on my car battery so i could plug in an, a, a charger without having to use alligator clamp yeah. made a video about it Yep. Right. I, and and mm. it is nice sometimes when like somebody's like, hey, do you want to just fly? You know, and we just fly and you're not recording or making anything. But it's hard because, I mean, you got to put content out. Yeah, it, it 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 makes you reframe everything into it's not just about the hobby anymore. And, and the point that you were bringing up about me saying it was important to realize that it's work now is that it frees me from taking things too personally. Right. I get a, mm-hmm. you know, I, anyone that is brave enough to attempt to be in front of an audience is going to receive a lot of negativity. Let's just call it how it is. Anyone who's YouTube celebrities like you two guys, celebrities. But, well, no, no. I, I'm saying like anyone that puts himself in front of an audience. So this, it doesn't have to be on YouTube. It could be on, you know, uh, someone who on a movie, on a stage, on a, you know, yeah. in a classroom, doesn't matter. You know, there, uh, there's going to be negativity. People choose for whatever reason to, to, to respond to things very negatively sometimes. And, and that hurts. It sucks. Like for every, you know, a thousand nice comments of like, Oh, this was really cool. Thanks for doing this. There's one guy that's just like, 
yeah, but it's so heavy and you're dumb. And I'm just like, wait, yeah. And that's, yeah. that's the stuff that I remember. And if I oh, yeah. am, if they're saying that about my hobby, about something that is personal to me, I'm going to take it personally. But if I can kind of put a, a brain barrier, not in an unhealthy way, just in a, in a, like, you know, this is not a part of me. It doesn't define me and get away from that feeling of negativity. Uh, I'm able to then be more free. You feel the same way? Yeah, it's it. It is tough. I mean, one of the things I I realized is that in the beginning, when you're small, basically the only people who know you exist are people who like you, mm-hmm. because people who don't like you don't give you a second look. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, you get popular enough that it, that people who don't like you have to acknowledge your existence, and you start getting this negative feedback. Mm-hmm. And and it's natural, I think, to wonder what am I doing wrong. And then you get hopefully you get through that. But the problem that I, the thing I struggle with is you're always going to have some negative feedback and you can't get too tied up in that or it'll just crush you. But the flip side is that you, you don't want to end up in an echo chamber mm-hmm. because we can, you can think of examples of people, celebrities, maybe very wealthy people, and they're in this crazy self-affirming echo chamber where they never hear criticism. And they don't even know that maybe something they're doing is is wrong or or whatever is yeah. hurting them. It's tough to know where the line is between sort of, hey, I need to pay attention. This was the wrong thing to do. And no matter what you do, someone on the internet will hate you for it. Yeah. You know, in spite of, you know, that kind of hate and the grind and the, you know, lack of certainty. I mean, we've talked about a lot of downsides of being a part of this. What do you find is... <laughs> I mean, what what's rewarding? Terrible. You know, what what makes it worth it? I mean, it's it, I like like obviously it's there's it's a freaking dream. Um, number one, to be self employed, uh, so that you uh, can just choose what you do every day. I mean, you have to do what your audience is interested in, but hopefully there's an overlap there. Mm-hmm. Um, to be able to, you know, I, I work out of my house. That's nice to be able to spend time with my family and to be able to fly, fly drones, fly quads, FPV, you know, it's fantastic, right? That's all the upsides to be able to pay the bills flying FPV. I think a lot of people would do it or whatever your hobby is. Absolutely. Oh yeah. The, what is, this is, I don't know if this is a weird question or not, but I, I kind of was just thinking it to myself. Like I, I should have asked this to a lot of people that we make it even to, weirder, whatever you're thinking Go even weirder. What does a day in the life of Joshua Bardwell look like? I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm like, kind of curious. Like, have you guys seen those? Those they're made. I forget which channel made them, but it's like a day in the life of Markiplier, and they just go through the guy's day. Day in the life of binging with Babish. I've, I've thought about making one of those for my oh, channel because yeah. I think it'd be great. It'd be, yeah, I think people might think it was funny, but uh, so I typically, um, I typically start off. Uh, I just answer messages that came in overnight. You know, the first thing I do every day is usually try and clear out most of my messages. Uh, You don't brush your teeth. You don't take a shower, make some coffee. What kind of coffee? I make a cup. No, I make a cup of coffee. Yeah. (laughs) I make a cup of coffee. I sit down with, with, and I answer messages. I usually don't feel good trying to make a video or do anything until I feel like I've caught up on the messages. Why do you put such an emphasis on that still? Um, you know, I feel like, you know, do you not feel like you could be, you could multiply yourself more by focusing on making the video or, but you, you take well, that time personally to do that and uh, which is inspiring to me. I'm not criticizing it. I'm curious. I want to yeah. hear, you know, what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. yeah I wow. mean, uh, definitely 
one of my motives is that when I see a question or an issue come up in my messages, I mean, the, the messages are research for future videos. And when I see an issue that people are having, then I want to make a video about it. And then that helps answer that question for more people. But the, the personal connection, I feel like that personal connection is what got me where I am. And that's really important to keep up. I, I'm probably wrong about that. Like I probably could be successful uh, by not being as personally available to as many people. But I mean, it's a, it's a very straightforward transaction. Like you make a video and like, maybe people like the video, maybe they don't like the video, maybe it gets you subs, maybe it doesn't get you subs. But if somebody asks you a question and says like, I can't get my receiver working yeah. and you go, okay, here's what you need to do. Boom. That is a very simple transaction. It's a net positive. And they feel good towards you. And it, you just you can just do that 300 times a day. And eventually Damn. you have, have 2,600 patrons right now. So 300 crazy. times a day. Wow. It also probably helps too when you have a huge catalog of videos out there answering these questions. Already <laughs> like, here, ahead of time. Don't look at like, this one. <laughs> it's true. Like it's it helps a little. Yeah, I do that. Some of that. I do some of that. Thinking about, so, so go, kind of going back to that story at the beginning of, you know, just kind of stumbling across you doing that process. Like I really do mean that that was very inspiring to me to see that, you know, you have stuck to, I, I'm, I'm going to say the word brand. I'm a, you stuck to your brand from the beginning, but you've stuck to who you are. And that's not true of everybody that goes down this path. And, and I just want to admonish you for continuing to do that. That's, that's, yeah. that's impressive. It's truthful. It's, powerful. So thank you for being you. Thank you. Yeah. Some things have changed over the, I mean, there are some things that are different. I make different kinds of content. There are people who say, I wish you still did more black box stuff. Yeah. I mean, no one is the same person that they were five years ago. And I mean, I I almost feel like if you said I am the exact same person I was five years (laughs) ago, it's like, well, that's, that's a, so, so uh, there are different things that I'm interested in. There's different types of content that I want to make the, the, the through line is always, that I'm trying to help people, uh, whether that's with a tutorial or a troubleshooting guide or a product review, even with the product reviews, which I mean, I, honestly, the product reviews are in a lot of ways what pays the bills because yep. people people really like product reviews. Yep. Like, I wish you made more educational content. It's like, well, that's not what my analytics say. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> but I feel like yeah, you know. Oh, you always want to be helping people. And that's, that's the through line at the end of the day. Yeah. It, that, I think that process, you know, of, of being true to yourself, of being available one-on-one to help people, you know, that's, that's developed super fans. I mean, like as you know, if I scour anything anywhere, you know, if somebody says, how do I do this? The next thing is a link to Joshua, something that Joshua Bardwell has put out and, you know, first of all, testament to your grind and, and drive to be a part of that. But at the same time, it's, you know, who you are by default, who you've chosen to be and continue to execute being is what has garnered that. And that's awesome. Like it's, it's cool. And, and I'm excited to see that continue to grow for you and to be successful for you. I hope so. To the point where, so. you know, yeah. you can make a living doing it. Yeah. You're, you're making, you're making a living doing what you're doing, not because you want to, but because people have willed you to in a way like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I said, back, back when people, people said, Oh, you should start a Patreon. I was like, I don't know. I'm just making videos, whatever. Yeah. But the videos help people. I still don't, I mean, I just, 
I, I, the, the sort of machine I hope is that people ask me questions that when I see that there's a need through those questions, I make a video about it and then they are appreciative and then they support me. And, and hopefully that can just keep sort of running yeah. that, that, that circle can just keep running. We'll see. It's that grind. That's interesting to me. There's another grind that you've kind of a recent endeavor, which I think is interesting. <laughs> it seems like you want to become a better pilot. This three packs a day thing I mm-hmm. think is, is really, it's not genius. It just makes sense. If you want to be a better pilot, three packs a day, boom, there it is. What's going yeah. on with that? Have you, has it, has it worked? I mean, I feel, I feel like uh, one of the things that suffers is that whenever I fly, I'm usually doing it in the context of a video. So I'm doing a review or I'm doing some kind of a test, but I'm not actually as focused on just being a better pilot. And so, so, you know, I just did the three packs a day experiment where for 30 days I flew three packs every day. The experiment actually went longer than 30 days because I didn't just post nothing but that for a whole month. So I would space out the videos, but I was still doing it. And I do think it made a difference. I mean, I hope it made a difference because if you do something intentionally over time, hopefully you get better at it. I always struggle with uh, where the limitations are in how good of a pilot I can be. Obviously, some of it is no matter how much I practice, I'll only get so good because just where I am physically, mentally. Some of it is that, that I spend a lot of time making videos and not as much time flying 50 packs a day or whatever. So it's tough. Three packs is a good number. Anyone that says they fly 100, 150 packs a day, like Nurk, is just psychotic. I mean, that's crazy. Well, it's for a different purpose, though, right? You know, it, I, I would say that you know Joshua is on top of becoming a better pilot, just trying to stay in touch with essentially what your roots are in a way where you know, when I choose to fly 150 packs a day or Vanover choose, chooses to fly 150 packs a day, it's for that very specific goal of I need to go faster than these other schmucks. Uh, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you guys are, you guys are also pushing, you're going from, there's this, there's this nonlinear progression mm, yeah. that when you go from zero to 50%, it's easy. you like, you say, I'm going to learn to play guitar. Yeah. You could be a half decent guitar player in a month. Right. Yeah. But, but to get from 98 to 99%, is this enormous grind and that's where you guys are at. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So three packs a day, isn't that hard? If anyone wants to get better, become a better pilot or just in anything related to drones, just pick up the sticks and get some stick time. The takeaway was that just people think, Oh, you got to put in hours and hours of stick time. But uh, my theory is that a little bit of practice consistently can make a big difference. Mm-hmm. So even if you can just get a couple tiny whip packs in on, on your lunch break, or maybe, you know, before the sun goes down after work or whatever, a little bit of time consistently and with intention, don't just be like, oh, I got flew a couple packs, but think of something you want to be better at and practice it just a little bit. More practice is better, but a little bit of practice makes a big difference. What symptoms did you see as a result of having done that? Like from the beginning to the end of, you know, well, I guess it's still ongoing, but you know, from beginning till now, like what, what is the most dramatic changes that you've seen? Well, two, two things I think happen. One is that you unlock sort of tricks. So some of the days I would say, I'm going to work on this trick. And if you work on the trick and you start to fill it out instead of, because it just becomes a trick that you can then do. Mm-hmm and work into your lines and so forth. So it adds to your repertoire, your vocabulary, if you will. The other thing I would do is I would do like, I'm going to not fly, I'm gonna only fly new lines. 
So I'm not going to fly any of the lines that I normally fly around my property. And I'm going to try and find new gaps and new lines. So just changing the way you think about, I'm going to fly super smooth. I feel like overall, it just added confidence and variety. Cool. Yeah. And that's, awesome. that's a property too. That's like, I mean, <laughs> iconic. It's in a video game now. It is really. Yeah. It's in a sim. It's true. Which one? Liftoff. Liftoff. Yeah, Hell put, yeah. Well, but your face is a liftoff in, too, isn't it though? The liftoff Xbox game. I'm, oh, okay. I'm the uh, instructor for the for the uh, career mode of the liftoff uh, video game what's that like yeah it's pretty amazing <laughs> it's pretty amazing something about console i don't know why like my house is in liftoff on pc and i'm like yeah that's cool but then you see yourself on an xbox game and you're like whoa <laughs> real deal awesome so, that's really, like, really cool. it's like tony hawk pro skater kind of you know it's like it just <laughs> yeah. feels like legit you know there it'll you be go. immortalized forever yeah yeah so if anybody doesn't know that you can play liftoff on your xbox now or your, or your PlayStation and write it off. If you're in, if you're a professional, you, that means you're going to yeah. probably write it off as a business expense and write it off. So Sorry. I think we made it to like eight o'clock in the morning on your day in the life of Joshua. Bible. Yeah, <laughs> well, more like probably more like 10 or 11. Oh, okay. So usually, usually I'm up by about nine, um, have some breakfast, hang out with my kid, make a cup of coffee, answer messages, usually by about 11 at the earliest, maybe noon, sometimes one, depending on how many messages have come in overnight. Uh, then I'm sitting down to work. I've got a, an editorial calendar. Uh, this whole year, I've been trying to be really organized, just um, focus on, you know, plan what videos I'm going to make instead of just constantly feeling overwhelmed about the videos I'm not making. Mm-hmm. So I'll try and shoot content. Uh, sometimes if I'm behind, I will edit the, I'll finish editing the day's video and post the day's video. Yep. I usually like to have the video posted the night before, but it doesn't always happen. Yeah. So I'll get the, I'll get the edit from my editor and I'll, then I'll, I'll sort of finalize the edit. Yeah, sometimes editors just take way too long. And they never get it to you on time. <laughs> he, he's really good. The guy, the guy he's very good. Uh, he's worked with me for almost, gosh, it's got to be got to be close to two years now, maybe more than two years. If, I, if it's more than two years, I missed the anniversary. Um, <laughs> you didn't get him a nice my, Rolex? Yeah. <laughs> like he wants a Mavic. He wants a Mavic Mini too. Yeah, he's like, that's, that's a good I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to be over. I don't want to. You know, if it's not appropriate, let me know. But I was like, you guys, are, you're working with DJI, right? Is there any way I could get a Mavic Mini too? Nice. I was like, I'll see what I can do. Black Friday special. Uh, I'll, make a, I'll make a call. But uh, so post a video if I haven't posted a video, and then uh, work on today's video. Uh, it's hard in the winter. Yeah, because it's like getting dark by four thirty. So by the time I've answered all the messages and posted the video, sometimes it's two two thirty, and it doesn't have a lot of time to uh, to make content. But yeah, so then throughout the day, I'm still answering messages. Uh, I usually try to clear my inbox before I go to bed, and then first thing in the morning, at the very least. Wow. Then uh, you know, in the evening, usually uh, spend some more time with my kid before bed. And then sometimes go back downstairs and, you know, by 10, he's asleep or in bed and then work again till maybe one or two, you know? Yeah. I feel, I feel that, uh, yeah, that schedule, yeah. that grind, like, cause it's the, I think the worst part about it is that it's self-enforced because like half the time when something is not ready in time or it's going to be, it's, it's not quite there. I could just, I could just say, yeah, I won't do it. But then what that happens is then it gets delayed and then it keeps getting pushed back. And then suddenly I've not made a video for two weeks and that's yeah. all because I let it slip once um, instead of staying on the grind and motivated and getting something out. Where are you on the, it's gotta be perfect versus just ship it spectrum. 
Man, that's tough. <laughs> it's tough because the more influence you have and the more people who pay attention to what you say, the more the consequences are of just saying, screw it, I'm just going to push it out. If I push out a, a product review and it's got a mistake or it got some half-assed thing in it, uh, like a great example, I'm going to, I don't mean to pick on, I'm trying to think of an example where I did it. It's not coming to me, but I just saw this. Pick on, so pick on Nurk. It's okay. What did he it was, do? Well, this was, it, this was a video from, um, I think it was Albert Kim mm. and he was doing his shark bite review mm-hmm. and I so identified with him. He, he had something wrong with his brightness settings in his camera. Yeah. Right. And so the shark bite footage was super dark and he released the video and he said in the video, my settings were messed up. The, the camera was super dark, but you can still see where it's breaking up. And he was totally right. But a lot of people were like, ah, and I was like, I totally know why you did that. It was the end of the day. You wanted to get the video out. You wanted to have it done. And you were like, that eh, doesn't matter. And maybe yeah. it doesn't. But then now we're talking got, about you, it on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Because, now we're because, shitting on Albert because it, Kim. <laughs> Because now to their, to their credit, Fast Shark has never done this to me, but there are some manufacturers where if you put out a product, a review, and in some way it makes their product look bad that they thought wasn't fair, they're going to be blowing up your inbox and be like, hey, you shouldn't have, you know, um, <laughs> and, and it's because they care about their product and maybe the criticism is valid. Yeah. Well, and, and that's when I come back. Did you pay me to say good things? <laughs> <laughs> no. Then I say what I want. <laughs> I don't, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't do it either, but like, it's, you know, you gave me like, well, but the, uh, but the question is, but the question is how you ask, how much does it matter between just shove it out there and make it perfect? Yeah. And there's a perspective where like, if you're like, ah, it's good enough. It's just a half estimate, whatever. We get some good information out there. I put any information out there. So it's more than you had before, but, but at a certain point, you know, people people there start to be consequences for that and it, it forces you to work harder yeah to make it perfect yeah it's and it's it's a bummer because like when you have to just get it out it's never or infrequently laziness it's i've worked so hard already and i yes i can probably take it again another five percent better but if i spend another two days on this is it going to make it five percent better mm, yeah. probably not you know, so yeah. let's, let's go, let's get it out. Let's move on. Let's entertain, you know? Inform. Yeah. It's, it's very challenging, especially with the schedule that I have. I mean, I try to put out like four videos a week minimum. That's where I'm at now. Yeah. Starting, and, starting next week. And if you're watching this, it will have been, this is going to be three weeks old. Starting next week, I'm going for a video every single day of the week. Ooh. Yeah. So we'll see grind, what happens. Dude. It's a grind. God bless so, you guys. Seriously. In the, in the comments below, if, if if there's been 12 videos between the last podcast and now, let me know. <laughs> nice. I we'll post on my Instagram it. like once every like six weeks. Once a quarter. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just don't bother. Just don't bother. Ugh. Well, I mean, it's it, at least you guys are doing it again, like with a within a community that it's it's more meaningful versus these other YouTubers that are going out there and they're just making videos for pure entertainment i mean i I feel like because we're so entrenched with the fpv community and the drone community in a whole uh there's 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 it sounds like there's more fulfillment on your guys end for just doing the work anyway and you might as well be document documenting it or your process so yeah i like the fact that my youtube channel is not it's not the end itself it is showing you 
how to do this other thing. And I don't know how the guys who are just pure entertainment do it. Yeah. Like, even if you look at guys like gamers who are doing like playthroughs and stuff, that content in some ways sort of makes itself, but like the, the guys who are just pure YouTube. Yeah. Right. Just like how vlogging. I, I don't, I don't know how you do that. I want to kind of get into a little bit of story time. I want to hear about one of the coolest adventures that drones have taken Joshua on maybe mm. another place in the world. Maybe it was yeah. like the scariest flight you've ever done. What was the scariest <laughs> flight you've ever done? Uh, uh, my me, For me personally, mm. gosh. Maybe one that you can't know. talk about. This is a perfect place <laughs> to talk about. Uh, I can think of a time. Uh, I was not the pilot for this one, but it was a super sketchy situation. Yeah. Uh, we were in China. Great place. Uh, That's exactly good, where I was good start. Good start. We were in China and uh, we, someone flew a quad over and we were flying like in a little park near the river, which is fine. But then uh, there was a building and someone went to fly over near the building and there was a gap like at the top of the building and, and he flew through the gap and he crashed. Uh, I don't know what happened. He failed safe. Maybe his battery sagged. I don't remember. But he ended up crashed on top of a, we you like check the DVR and check the video. And we could see the building he crashed on top of as a construction site. Mm-hmm. And he was all the way at the top. Mm-hmm. And we were like, so what do we do? <laughs> is this a loss? Do we write this one off? And the person who is the, the local person who was there helping us with our trip was like, oh, we can take care of this. So we go over the there. The local Chinese citizen or, or government uh, person that was wh- like. Whoever it yeah, was. We'll just, whoever. We'll leave it there. Someone, someone who knew the lay of the land, let's say. So we go and we find the, because uh, I mean, like, thank God it crashed on top of a construction site instead of on a busy street. Yeah. So, you know, you could argue. And if you do something irresponsible and you get away with it, you could maybe argue, now nah, I had it. Yeah. But if you do something irresponsible and then you crash. You got to own it. You can't be like, you, you're like, you can't, you can't justify that. <laughs> so, so that we go to the construction site, the person who knows the lay of the land says to the pilot, he says, you, you, you come with me. He goes, I, I wasn't there for this. I wasn't the pilot. Right. For the right. Record. I'm telling somebody else's got story. It. He goes, he takes the pilot. Uh, and uh, apparently what happened is they, they met one of the construction, like the supervisor and they uh, gave him a little bit of money. And uh, he said, one of you can come up. And so the pilot went up with him, retrieved his quad left and uh, got the quad back. But that was a super sketch moment (laughs) when we were like, well, did you crash on the street? Did you land on a car? Did you hit somebody in the head? Yeah. Uh, or did you know? And then now that you've lost your quad, what are we going to do? Are we going to get it back, or are we going to just pretend that didn't happen? It was a super sketchy. Uh, it was really fun to get to go to China. Yeah, China is amazing. <laughs> we're in China. Where you were closer to like Shenzhen. Yeah, like we were south. Uh, we were in south west yeah. south. Yeah. yeah, I've been to Hong Kong and Tianjin, which is close to Beijing, which is Hong Kong was further west. Was amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. We, we it's flew crazy. into Hong Kong, then we crossed the border to Shenzhen. Yeah. Uh, Hong Kong is such a weird amalgam of it's like you're in a Western city. It feels Western in a way that China didn't, yep. but it's also totally an Asian yep. city. Also, it's like if New York was Asia and it was so, it was so sort of comfortable and foreign at the same time. Yeah. 
It was a, it was a really weird city. I, I was there for about a month and did a lot of walking around. And I think what was the craziest was that you could go from like the nicest possible buildings and areas to slums in literally a block. And it was just like, whoa, this is, yeah. it, it was very, very weird setup, but it was, it was beautiful. It was gorgeous. I loved being yeah. there. Yeah. Um, I want to spend more time in China, but might, might be a while these days. <laughs> Yeah, not so much these days. <laughs> Hong Kong also sort of a touchy situation right now. I wanted to I wanted to hit on uh, <laughs> bribery as well, which is it's okay. It's pretty funny because like it's such a foreign concept. I think for us here in the states, like you would never just go to or very infrequently just go to a security guard and be like, "Here's twenty bucks, let me go do this." But like everywhere or many other places, it is like the default because like there was a moment yeah. we were I was in the the Dominican Republic and we were. I don't speak any Spanish and I, I'm just kind of posted on Instagram. Hey, I'm in the Dominican. A couple of people hit up, hit me up and we're like, Oh, let's go fly. And uh, so we did like one day of flying and then we kind of came back the next day. And, and this one guy picked me up who I had connected with well, and he doesn't speak a lot of English, um, but just enough uh, that we can communicate and, and have a good time. And he, we, I get in his car and he, we start driving. He's like, I want to take you to this good spot. And it's, it's amazing. Like it's, it's the perfect bando. And uh, we get to the, the place and there's like a, a new fence up and we're like, oh man, we can't get in. He's like, no, 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 I got this. And, and so he leaves me in the car just on the side of the road and goes and starts talking to some people and I can see money being exchanged. I'm like, okay, cool. Okay. And, and the person's like, go over there, talk to that person. We go over, we pull up into the, like, the entrance and two security guards with like loaded shotguns. Oh yeah. <laughs> approach the car. And I'm like, oh crap what am i getting in like they start getting into like a discussion they're like it's uh, right. Da, 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 da. Right, it, right 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 it's south america it's very like just very animated uh, yeah. animated and excited and, and i'm like freaking out because i'm like i'm gonna get shot my wife's not gonna like, i don't yeah. have a cell phone my like, drone's with, gonna get uh, shot yeah and uh and eventually after handing him some money and going through this whole process we got denied like they're like nah no, you can't do it. And, <laughs> Thanks for the money. And, and we're driving away, and I'm like, so, so what's what's the reason why couldn't we go fly there? And he's like, well, uh, they fil- film shot there. No, we 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 can't we can't go in anymore. And I'm like, uh, like a film, like a movie. And they're just like, no, but uh, shoot, how do you say uh, porno? Porno. <laughs> Apparently, some American guys came and shot a porn scene in this like barn like bando, and they're like, "Our bosses were like, we can't have this happen." Anymore. Yeah, that's the, that's where the line is. So we couldn't fly drones. I, I, I can't believe I didn't think of this when you asked, but you said South America, and it reminded me of the actual sketchiest thing that's yeah. ever happened. Okay, I, I, yeah, I can't believe this. this wasn't. I just took me a minute to get there. It's a lot of. We were in things. Puerto Rico. When we were in Puerto Rico, uh, we were there and Jeff Thompson, the owner of Red Cat, was hosting us. This was with Rotoride. And he said, oh, we've got all these places arranged for you to go. Well, what Jeff Thompson means by we arranged all these places for you to go is we're going to show up. We're going to just sneak in and it'll probably be fine. So we went to like <laughs> this uh, wind farm uh, that had been destroyed by the by the hurricane. Oh, man. And it was just in some farmer's field. And there's just like a a gate and he's like, no, no, it's fine. We can go in. So we go, we go in and we're flying and a guard comes up and he's like freaking out because later, later Jeff was like, yeah, he's probably just worried he's going to get in trouble. But you know, Jeff talked to him and it was fine. He's like, we can fly for like 15 more minutes and we should go. So, okay. So that's basically, so we go to this other place. He's like, there's this uh, museum or whatever. It's been abandoned. 
and uh, you know, there's a place you can sneak under the fence. Abandoned like, museum. Okay. We didn't go in the museum, but we did go under the fence and we're flying. It looks abandoned. And then a security guard shows up. So apparently it wasn't abandoned <laughs> and the security guards pointing a gun at us. And she's like telling us to get the F out of there. So we like, we got, got the F out of there. Uh, <laughs> we all sort of bailed to the car and I don't know. I don't think she seriously was like going to shoot at us, but it were like, seven of us and one of her so you know she <laughs> wanted to, i guess she wanted us to know she meant business yeah. but uh definitely got a gun pointed at us the, the funniest part of that story is stingy had finished flying and he had wandered down to the beach to take some pictures with his camera yeah and we had been in three cars so and we had all sort of been just getting into the cars so we all piled into the car. We're all like let's get that because we assumed she had called the cops yeah, yeah. and we didn't want to be there when the cops got there yeah, yeah. Cause then it's going to get ugly. You don't want to go. So we're like, we got to get, get the F out of here. We got to get out of here. We all pile into the cars. We all leave. We're leaving. We're like, can we get off this dirt road in time before the cops show up and get to the main road and then just disappear into the, (laughs) we get to the restaurant where we're going to have dinner and we look around and we're like, can you believe that happened? I can't believe that happened. Wait a minute. Where's Stingy? Stingy's still down at the beach. He's still shooting that glorious (laughs) B-roll. He, we're like, Stingy, don't go back to the museum. Oh my gosh. We abandoned him. We ditched him. We ditched him. How did he make out? How did he get and back? We went back and got him. Well, we, let's we just say that's why he's no longer part of Rotor Ride. No. No, we went back and got him. He was fine. He's just, he's just oh, focusing good. on some seashells and stuff like that. Just yeah. Meanwhile, in the distance, there's just like dirt trails from the cars peeling yeah. out of the. Yeah, so. What about remote places? You were just talk- telling a story about like you being around like, you know, eight other of your buddies. No wonder you're getting caught at these places. You can't show up at a bando with like eight people and expect to not yeah. draw, draw attention. In general, what is like the most remote place you've ever flown a quad at? Like out I in mean, the middle of nowhere? I don't get out. I fly at my house, at his house. <laughs> his house. Yeah. Uh, That's one of the things I like about rotorite shoots is it gets me out doing different things. They're always super super fun things I would never do on my own. But um, I mean, there were certainly locations in Puerto Rico that were pretty far out there. There was this one location we went to and I don't know where on the Island it exactly was. I'm not going to be able to, I'm sorry. I don't remember the name of Puerto Ricans. I apologize, but it was, it was a bit of a drive out to the coast. And when we got there, mosquitoes were just eating us alive (laughs) at a level that you have never experienced. I had never experienced. And like, I didn't want to be a, a, a wuss about it. I was like, nah, it's good. We're going to fly. <laughs> and then it starts raining. And so now it's raining. So at least the mosquitoes aren't eating us in the rain. <laughs> but now we're like, just soaked. And we're just like, we didn't have, we're like, do you have bug spray? No, I don't have bug spray. No one had bug spray. We we're just like, forget it. It's not worth it. Yeah. The uh, one I went to. To his, to his credit. To his, can I interrupt you? To Please. his credit, Drew, who is an absolute baller. He said, no, screw it. I'm flying. And he flew like two packs and he got two good packs and he was just getting, uh, one of the other guys held a freaking rain fly over him so he could fly without his shit getting wet. And I was like, it's not worth it. Everybody (laughs) else was like, it's not worth it. And he was like, I'm getting my packs. He is a, he is a freaking beast. Yeah, Winston, Winston and I went uh, with a couple of buddies to Iceland and, uh, we kind of set off on a hike that we didn't really think how think it through or think about how far it was or what kind of shape all of us were in and we didn't really have any water 
and we took <laughs> like we brought dead batteries with us like oh, good, <laughs> to good. where we should have like weight. you know just probably left them in the car or whatever and uh we kind of just in case you came across a charger or something <laughs> yeah, and, yeah exactly and, right and we kind of just we just set off on this uh this hike and luckily like i mean it's iceland and it's gl- like glacial runoff into these beautiful creeks so you could just drink it right out of the creek it was fine I, I might have some parasites left over from that um <laughs> but like when we finally got to this like we're so we're basically hiking up a ravine we finally got to the end of the hike where there's this gorgeous waterfall coming down an icelandic ravine with this beautiful river and like and there was a beautiful awesome cliffs woman, and naked woman at the end i'm just imagining this right now I actually did get mostly naked and jumped in the water, but I'm <laughs> okay. not a beautiful woman. <laughs> so like oh. a Sasquatch. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, but we got to that final point and there were so, it was not mosquitoes, thank goodness, but there were, it was, there were so many of these like fly things that were mm-hmm. like, like kind of like bigger winged flies that would just like land on your face and like crawl mm-hmm. on your hands and mm-hmm. your arms and stuff. And mm-hmm. it had been raining for most of the hike and like get a fish raining right as we got there. So it was actually really beautiful. Um, but like, so like I had a, like a, a shama, like a, like a, just a square piece of piece of fabric that I was able to kind of like wrap into like a, like a headdress, put the goggles on, stuff my goggles <laughs> into the headdress. Nice. So nice. like my entire face is covered and the only thing exposed were my hands on the controllers. And I just had one of the other guys like standing near me and just like shoo the flies away as much as they could mm. and we still got some amazing flights but like it, it, it comes down to that commitment again it's like you know we're here yeah we're gonna get it done and uh so respect to you guys for i, for I usually out. feel that way i usually feel that way i'm like if i've come all this way i <laughs> i need to try to get it get a shot yep. get a video you know it was nobody i don't know i think we all were just like screw it <laughs> what did you do after it's, that do you remember we just like went to dinner <laughs> Enough said. We're just like this one's a bust. It wasn't uh, to to Drew's credit. He got he got some good shots, but it, I don't think it was a spe- it was a beautiful place to be, but it wasn't like a spectacular. It was like a craggy coast. So he found this one sort of uh a, like arch to go under and around and did mm-hmm. some power loops and maddies and stuff. And if he had screwed it up, he would have literally been in the ocean. That just would have been it. But for the most part, I think I think we all sort of assessed that it wasn't a spectacular flying location. Yeah. It like was if it had been a great location, we would have like been screw it. We're just going to do it. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think that. it wasn't a great location. Well, there's a lot of pressure to like put together FPV freestyle videos. I feel like because of the artistic creativity you have as a pilot, like especially like Ladrib. I I feel like I've heard people say that he f- he flies a lot and puts a lot of packs in but is kind of specific about what he puts out there on the on the internet or or you know yeah, makes right yeah that's true you know because you always kind of want to one up yourself or or whatnot i like to go out there and i like to create that amazing content but it inevitably never really goes anywhere so i mean how much of that stuff do you guys both have on yeah. your computer where it's just like potentially even really good a really good flight, but it never goes anywhere. Or do you just put it all out? I, I should probably have higher standards. You know, I, <laughs> I, 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 I like that answer. Most of, most of what I do is doing tutorials or educational content or reviews. So when I get a solid, like a freestyle rip at some location, I probably will make an edit out of it. Mm-hmm. Not a hundred percent of the time. Even if it's not like the best I've ever done, I'm just like, let's just get something out there. And people, people want to see it. Like he, I feel like you can't get complacent. Like you get people uh, like Johnny and Johnny puts out like one video a year and it every single one blows your mind. Yeah. But 
he probably could put out more videos. Yeah. And then, and schizo is another example of that. Schizo doesn't fly as much as he used to, or at least he doesn't post as much as he used to. But when he flew, he would be like, ah, I don't know. I mean, this one wasn't any good. I didn't post it. He like, like posts so little of the stuff. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, like stingy, when stingy blew up, he was like, I just got this hard drive full of flights and I'm just going to post one flight every day for a month. And he blew up and everybody's like, well, they love it. Yeah. So you got to find a balance between just putting out crap. <laughs> and being too much of a perfectionist it's the the ship to to quality yeah. ratio back that's to that absolutely that's, that's what our lives are driven by i think that's kind of yeah. that's kind of one of the nice parts about a lot of the, the work that i do is is it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's someone not, else that has yeah, to make someone else's <laughs> job to put it out there it's not up to me to decide even what makes the show yeah. or not so you're in an interesting position though, because like if you're shooting a commercial or you're shooting a television show, at the end of the day, they have an air date. You're gonna whatever you're gonna get it done as best as you can, and then you're gonna ship. You're gonna you're gonna they're gonna edit. Right. You know? Yep. Whereas a freestyle, a creative piece has no due date and you could just keep working on it forever and not know when it's done, you know. Almost like an artist with a painting, you know. It's like I imagine that's how it is, you know. You can always maybe add more detail here and there, but like when is it? enough yeah i mean eventually i mean like if you go to a, a location and you shoot some packs at the end of the day when you come home that's how many flights you've got unless you're planning on going back on a different day mm-hmm. to try to get more packs which sometimes you do a lot of times i find myself in a position of these are the flights i've got can i make a three minute edit out of this find me the best segments out of this these 10 or 15 or 20 packs and make a three minute edit. And maybe one of those is not exactly a nine out of 10. Maybe it's a six out of 10, but I need 20 seconds more footage to make the, to fit the song, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one way to approach it. But it Definitely. still builds you as credibility for the JB brand. You know what I mean? Like, mm, depends you know, on how good the flying is. <laughs> <laughs> what is a video that you've always wanted to make, but haven't yet? Hmm. Cause Nurk's going to make it. Uh, oh, that'd be great. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm I looking for some... ideas. I gotta I gotta put out a video on Monday, so I have some ideas. <laughs> um, I made one. I'm looking at my editorial calendar. I made one which was uh, 17 ways to get a drone out of a tree. Nice. Oh, where I yeah. tried like I thought it was going to be huge. Let's talk about it, it. I don't think it was as huge as it I hoped it might be, but then they never are. No, the ones that blow yeah. up are the like some rando video <laughs> the, you never expected to blow the up. The train video. But that was a high concept. That was a concept video with yeah. a lot of planning and a lot of not just, you know, sit down in the morning and say, what am I going to do today? Yeah. I got a method that's 100% uh, effective. Yeah. All right. Don't make videos. No, no. To get a drone out of a tree. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's the so gra- cut down the tree. It's the gra- yeah. Cut down the tree <laughs> is good. It's uh, I use the grappling hook yeah. uh, method. So I got a, you know, 550 paracord. Uh, I don't know. Like yeah. A 500 foot spool of that. That's a good one. Speaking of uh, amateur welding, I made a custom grappling hook with some uh, decent gauge steel, some a, a, a triple arm grappling hook. But I need my I need a DJI drone to help make this happen. So I do a pre- yeah. I do a precision drop of that hook over the branch where the tree is stuck on. Nice. And I can yeah. make a drop mechanism. I have two Inspire ones, and I have an Inspire two. I can make a drop mechanism with a stick. And two zip ties with an Inspire Two or Inspire One. You're totally overthinking it, though. I mean, that's and that, I'm I'm a fan of overthinking. That's not a criticism, <laughs> but when you it's because you're flying an Inspire that's forcing you in a certain mindset. 
just take a little five inch racing drone, fly it up and disarm and drop it over the branch. Boom. <laughs> grapple. Yeah, but that other quad's gonna get stuck in. So you're using the quad as a grapple. Some, there's some risk. There's it's still some risk tied to that. on. It's though. true. It's true. How are you gonna get the grapple out um, of the tree? You know, once that difference. once that grapple is stuck <laughs> in the tree, I actually, in fact, that's sometimes like the like that thing is proven to rip off entire branches. So I, I've had yeah. to pull it. I've had to like hook it up to my truck, like my my hitch or something. <laughs> oh, geez, pull it out of there. <laughs> you are just gonna one, pull the tree down at that point. One time, I mean that 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 paracord is kind of elastic, so mm-hmm. it just stretched out super taut, and that thing just caught loose and went, oh, and it just almost like broke out my back windshield, but it's stuck into the dirt, like you know, mm. really hard. Mm. I you need like a um a pulley system or a snatch block or something probably make it safe. Yeah. I'd always travel with it. I named one video I meant to make. I always thought would be fun earlier, uh, which is the, you know, day in the life. I don't don't know if I've always wanted to do that. You could almost make like an MTV cribs kind of, uh, yeah, I, got, as well. I got i do have another i got another idea you better not steal this idea because i'll probably never do it but okay. um i had the idea so i sometimes do these voiceovers uh, at the beginning of a video and the voiceover for my flywoo explorer review was me talking over music with flying uh, you know when i first had this idea actually i should give credit to stan fpv stan fpv was dropping some real sort of deep philosophical bombs and um i cut it in to music over him flying and i was like that would be really cool if you could get a pilot to to give you some freestyle footage set it to music and then also interview them and take some selected Mm -hmm. segments from their interview and cut it in over their freestyle footage and just do a series Mm -hmm. you know that would be super cool that's what this video is i mean this this whole (laughs) podcast is that no, I'm, yeah. just, I'm just kidding. The, uh, it's a lot of it's a lot of content for three that. minute freestyle. Some play, Carl, right? S- some some Carl Sagan, or you know, like type <laughs> of uh, yeah. What exactly. is life? What? So I feel like the Joshua Bardwell that people know that sits behind the camera is very like you're very consistently the same person, and I think that's because that's who you are. Very handsome, I might add. But what? what is that too much what's something that people would be surprised to know about you i mean i think i know i think i know the answer because when people come to uh like you i think you might have commented on this or m- when they come to a rotorite shoot is that i swear a lot more in real <laughs> life than i do on camera <laughs> fuck yeah. like whoa i know he swears so much I, do, I swear a lot he always seems so nice i thought, yeah, I, nice. I thought he, he just wouldn't swear, swear. A lot. it's like yeah like fuck yeah i'm nice just swearing i try to i try to keep uh i try to keep the channel family friendly because mm. kids like parent kids get kids are in yeah. the hobby they're watching my videos and parents let the kids watch and you know if i was uh, swearing a lot they might not like that so speaking of family friendly channels there was a I, I i was trying to get or apparently i was up for a potential sponsorship through drl <laughs> And a company watched one of my videos and decided not to go with me because I didn't make family friendly content. Mm. And the video that they cited <laughs> was uh, so I, we we drove to Sebring uh, for like the the big race that happened down there in Sebring, and we rented an RV to do it. We thought that would be kind of fun, like process and yeah, part, yeah. like part of the video. Like we're kind of like walking through the RV and checking it out, and and I jump in one of the like bunk beds. And it has like a curtain. So I like pull a curtain over myself and just and lay in bed. And like, well, I'm thinking they're like, oh, it'd be so funny if somebody opened it with the camera and I have my shirt off already. So <laughs> so I quickly get my shirt off. And like they, the guy, 
uh, J-Rod, who was holding the camera, opened it. It was like, ah, gross. Like, and it was, it was a really, really funny moment. But I was kind of like laying there like, you know, like, hey, how's it going? And apparently that wasn't family-friendly content anymore. <laughs> That's PG-13, dude. Unless you whip that I dick know, out. I, I was just like, what? What are you going to do? Oh, man. You can't win. But yeah, so I think we might be at the point where we should be looking at some uh, footage together here. All right. It's a great time to get think? our React Pilots React video segment out. So next up on the show, we are going to jump into our sponsor segment with Airviews. Uh, they're kind of like the YouTube for drones. They have like tons of awesome drone videos uploaded. And uh, my buddy Blazer, uh, who works for Airviews, went through and dug out some of the four or five like best videos of recent history that he he basically watches all of them. Uh, so he sent those over to me. We're going to kind of watch them, talk about what we do and don't like. It's going to be fun to have Josh's perspective, not just as a creator, but as a uh, an educator. So maybe he mm. can, uh, maybe we can learn something together today yeah. from watching the uh, these videos together. So Winston, uh, let's start with uh, your your personal selections, and then we'll jump into the Airviews ones. All right, sounds good. Let me go ahead and get screen sharing set up. Uh, Winston's our uh, our virtual bartender. Winston, what are we serving up tonight on the uh, on the <laughs> specials? Uh, specials tonight, uh, no more Jim Beam out of the bottle. That is so last week. Oh my god, uh, we got some Kentucky straight bourbon. What, what was what was that? Uh, oh my god, Joshua, what do you see? This video. What do you this see? Is old school. This is old school. <laughs> keep, keep in mind your audio viewers. All right, guys, and with this one, uh, I mean. He's been around for a while, and I just had to deep dive into some of his first videos that I oh, saw on yeah. his channel. So, how to tell if your multi rotors flight controller is mounted straight? Because they, because they didn't have look at that frame; it doesn't have mounting holes. It's just stuck on with freaking <laughs> is that balsa freaking tape? What's, it's a what's poplar. The, what's poplar the date wood? on this video? Excuse me, September fifth, two thousand fourteen, oh, and that okay. looks like it's the what is it? The flight test any copter? Yeah, the Electra Hub is what it is. It's got ten yeah. outboats. Yeah, it's 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 made oh, out of wood. Cool. He's like leaning it up against the deck desk. This is this is, is when that camera is super first, out of focus. First videos, <laughs> I would I would imagine. But it's, it's it's very early. I rather enjoyed this because you listen to it. Oh, I have the sound off, so he's not talking over us. But you listen to it, and it's you just earlier. <laughs> just, it's just true. earlier. Did this dr- did this true. drone fly? Oh yeah, this is the drone I learned. This is the multi rotor I learned to fly on. Nice. This is my first multi-rotor. Awesome. You still have it? And then, no, God, no. No, no. <laughs> they caught now fire we're going over to the drone actually like, flying. Practicing this is, uh, nose I forget what and, I was, and nose, yeah, nose, nose and hovers with quadcopter. And this is yeah. August 2014, so it's... Why did I upload this? Like, why did I upload this? <laughs> Who was going to watch this? I have no idea. It's, but it's just for myself. Nose in practice. Still good good practice for those of you guys wanting to get a little yeah. uh, up on your skills. Always practice the nose in line of sight. Just don't flying. fly line of sight. Just don't fly line of sight. It's a waste of time. What? I lo- I disagree. Just learn to Strongly. hover. Learn to hover so you can do hover tests and then just get on with your life. <laughs> <laughs> I rather appreciate the fact that this is someone that a lot of people look up for that knows a lot about what we do in the community, but we all start somewhere. And it was kind of cool to oh, see yeah. someone's take that like, literally, this is just like anyone else, you start somewhere and you go with it. So I, I kind of appreciate that. In one of your first like how to videos, I mean, it's you back then. Just yeah, it's it's kind of <laughs> cool to see how you've you still are you and who you were, but you've kind of fine tuned it. It's kind of cool to see it. And you filmed at such a nice time of day. Like it's right at sunset. It is a good it's time. Beautiful. Of day. You're also and... you know doing your chores. You're cleaning out all that debris <laughs> on your back deck. <laughs> <laughs> what, honey, where are you? I'm sweeping. 
in the backyard. It's good. It's the best way to clean up that pine straw. All right, guys. So the one I have set up for you, it's a really cool take on it. Um, this is actually moving pretty quickly for what looks to be a ducted drone or a has fan guards or a ducted setup on it. Okay. Okay. Curious so to see how you know a bunch that. of mountain bikers ripping down a mountain trail. It's like a ski trail during the summer. Uh huh. Very contrasting. I like the I like the presence of that uh, that uh, ski lift coming by that i don't know if that was planned or coincidence that was really nice oh yeah timing looks like a little squirt uh size drone there based on the based on the drone shadow it it does look like a squirt like it's got pretty deep ducks i'm impressed that he can go this fast like he's cruising with it yep so there's a mountain biker going down what looks to be like a setup course with a bunch of whoops and Ah! tight corners for the mountain bike guys to go quickly and this thing is keeping up with it Come on, get it's get so, in there. It's so challenging to chase somebody when they're changing speed, going fast in the straights and slow in the turns. Yeah. It's really challenging. You can see he's pulling away here in the straights, but then it catches up and the slalom here. It's very challenging to get your setup where you mm. can keep the, the subject in frame. Yeah. At, as you pitch forward and back to change speed. I like- there he went out the top of the frame. I liked so that shot though because he was he kind of started from away and revealed and then got back into the action. Like that's what's so powerful yeah. about FPV is you can start big and end small and tight. It's one of the things I noticed that Johnny does. Uh, he was the first one I noticed doing it. Is at the end of the shot, he'll like he'll take off, he'll pull up and pull away, so it's not just like and eh, that's the end of the shot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it's very clever. He reveals and, and then concludes each shot. You and gotta that, get tight, it edits though. together I'm, really well too. I'm watching this video. I, I want that drone about five feet closer or more. Well, you, there, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. It's the speed. I think. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's tough if you're fast enough to keep up with them in the straights. You overshoot them in the corners, and then you see the quadcopter having to constantly be doing the circling, where you'll kind of overshoot and circle around. So it's very very challenging without a to be able to to track a moving object like that yeah i think you that guy that operator would have had a little bit more luck with uh probably with like a five inch drone because i bet you he's like rated at the end of what that thing can do what's his name ollie fpv with loose riders europe's yeah. alps ollie especially FPV. these guys got helmets on what are they afraid of yeah oh they're not af- they're not afraid of a five inch drone i mean you look should this, be re- look at this ski lift right here yep. Hang on. right here isn't that great yeah that's nice I want him to go That's through nice. the ski lift as he's chasing them. How cool would that be? <laughs> yeah, but there were people in the ski lift. Another great location, awesome. though. I mean, they said they were set up to succeed. Overall, it was a really nice video. Uh, I mean, we're looking for the best of the best here on the Good Flight Podcast Drone Reacts segment. Um, but you know what, like though? That. That's cool. a nice shot there. Nice. What do you got next? What do you got next? All right, so from that, this one kind of makes me think about something we said earlier where you have like a voiceover with drone clips. Now, it's not oriented to the person talking, being the person that made the clip, but it's a really cool uh, video titled Destiny. Uh, It's an inspirational, motivational video that uses a lot of drone clips from over three years of this person. Perfect. Sheer Abu Chakra. A film. I love it. I love it. First off, that composition is amazing. Great composition. Yeah. Yeah. So what we're looking at is a nice pull-away shot where it reveals a huge mountain covered in snow. Oh, that could have lasted a little bit longer, I think. But the mountain, the mountain peak was. I don't really like things on center and frame. Typically, I'm like a, I'm like a, um, you know, four thirds guy. I like them on the edge. But that was a beautiful mountain peak, kind of just right up there in the beginning. 
And these locations yeah. are stunning. So yeah, I don't even, I don't even know where this is. Right, stunning locations back to back. It seems like it's in the Alps, <laughs> um, but and also it's a very powerful voice that's used in this, and it gets a, it's a really good motivational clip and just beautiful shots, beautiful backgrounds. This is kind of what we talked about. This is going to be Joshua's uh, next segment where he, where we get uh, <laughs> yeah. different drone pilots in talking about philosophical yeah, aliens, alien shit. Yeah. Josh, what do you think about uh, like traditional drones? Do you do you have anything that you fly? Camera drones. Yeah, boring drones. I ha- I, I have a Mavic drones. Mini. I have a Mavic Mini, but I just find myself never using it. Yeah. So, uh, my my theory is that like I wanted to kind of expand my my palette a little bit, but you know, there's there's just only so much time in the day to make videos. See, and, you're overthinking it, dude. Oof. It's just inspired too. Boom, it's done. <laughs> yeah just drop a cool 10g on a drone <laughs> yeah let's go i mean the mini just goes wherever you need it to so that's good i know but, uh, i kind of want a mavic mini too now it. yeah I do too. it's it, good we, it's really good winston just picked up a uh mavic 2 pro or i guess we kind of picked it up i'm not really sure how that's gonna work but and uh <laughs> we used it in a video the other day and we got some really nice shots with it of like chasing the fpv drone and uh the climbers a really nice shot there so we're looking at the silhouette of a climber as he's going down the ridge the ridge line uh looks like um belaying off that that cliff really really nice shot there all of these cut in perfectly with you know any film or tv i i wish that he did more three axis movements it's kind of they're all like one or two axis movements Mm. barely definitely good use of the foreground in a lot of these shots almost every shot uh, yeah, like, I don't, it's, I don't mind it's that. like a slight pan up and a dolly right mm-hmm. i want to see all three like it's a drone it goes in the air like let's do some cool stuff i hear that i hear that but a lot of times when i talk to some Oof. of these like filmmakers it's like that's the opposite of what they want they want they want the simple move and the composition and that's what i'm seeing a lot of that here in this video the, the backlight here as we see really nice lighting do we know what this was filmed on winston does it say since it's a single operator, I'm guessing it's like a Mavic Pro too. I would, yeah, I would assume so too. But and maybe uh, that's nothing in the description there. That's too bad. But like these all look like freaking amazing places to go fly FPV location, too. Though location, location. Can you imagine those mountain dives? Yeah, show oh. me. Let's do it. Let's go. Let's just take. Let's pack it up and head out. To Flights are cheap. Switzerland or whatever. Well, yeah, but we have to quarantine for 14 days on both ends. Sure. Yeah. If I had to quarantine 14 days on both ends, I'd miss the birth of my firstborn son. I like some of these Dutch angles. You see, you notice those at all? Yeah, I noticed They're the rotation. Real I subtle. I really like it. I mean, can we assume that he's doing that in post? I assume that. Never. I never assume that. Inspire I 2, just, obviously, you can roll the. Gimbal. I don't think he's hauling an Inspire 2 to the top of that mountain, though. I mean, I don't know if I would commit to rolling that gimbal and it's like a big commitment. Yeah, especially when you can just shoot it in 4K and crop in like 10%, you know? Yep. That was really nice. I'm going to, I think I'm actually going to go back on airviews.com and watch that. I'm not I'm actually not being sarcastic. Like, I want to hear like what the voices say. So it's really cool. definitely worth listening to. They did a really good job with uh, the sound on that. That's uh, what they definitely. Link in the description over on Airviews, and be sure to go over there and follow me and John and Bartle. Do you have an Airviews account? I don't. Uh, yeah, should. Maybe I should get, get one. one. 
if you want. I upload a lot of content. I won't force you to do that. But if you started uploading content to interviews, they would be really, really happy about that. I'll tell you right now. Well, I mean, I could tell you how much I make off of YouTube. We could certainly come up with something. Uh, <laughs> some stuff to airviews. Do we have more videos there, Winston? I sure do. Let me pull up one more for us. Cool. Cool. All right. So we've got cinematic APV, aerial, real framework films, 4K footage. First off, we're in LA. This this bridge specifically is like the most film bridge ever. In drones. <laughs> go back, go back. I want to see the bridge again. It's like every God. It must be just like shut down permanently or something. <laughs> it's just always why. In, why do so many people use it? Do you think? I. It's probably easy to get permits. It's the for. one bridge that they can. Yeah, it's the one bridge you can shoot at. It's like that one alley in New York City in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. There's like one alley in Manhattan where they shoot all movie alleys. Or the the new the oh, LA that's River. Nice. That was fast. Ooh, We're jumping sign. around again. I, I had this comment on the last uh, Pilots React segment. Is like you know it's hard to follow. I don't know if it's Winston's. Don't chase trains. I'll tell you right now. Just Sorry. don't do it. Volcano. Oh, that's cool. Drifting. Wow, we went from train to volcano to drifting to beach biking. Beautiful. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean it's. Oh, that's Machine Gun Kelly. Is that MGK? Yeah. A little sandboarding. That's cool. I get it. This it's is, uh, it's a real, illegal. Like a, illegal shot yeah, right there. It's a real. Flew over. To Why was that shot illegal, Paul? Oh, love that. Love the love the little roll over the trains. Commit. Great use of freestyle. Some Cindy Whoop dancing. Dive down the U.S. Bank building in L.A. It's theoretically possible they had a permit. For nice transition. I like when they transition with this with a consistent quadcopter move. So you're rolling left and then you're rolling left or whatever. So it looks, it flows nicely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still waiting to well, see we went, one of we Paul's from, favorite transitions. We went to, we went from bikinis to snow mountaintop. It's, Bring uh, that back, that bikini back real quick. Oh no. Jeez. It's a family friendly show. Yeah. This is nice. They, it looks like they've gotten to fly in a lot of spots. I wouldn't call a lot of this like, unbelievable flying but they definitely took the time to find the right spots and and get the right shots and that's i'm jealous of you know it's 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 interesting because like as a professional there's so much you, you could look at a professional and you go oh their flying wasn't that great and so much of what they do is not flying. that you don't see it it's it's being there it's being ready it's having the gear it's knowing how to interface with the with the director yeah. it's it it it's like it's like when you look at a filmmaker and some people say so and so isn't such a great filmmaker why does he get to keep making movies and it's because he has a lot of other skills that you don't see mm-hmm. you know and maybe some of that is when you look at professional drone pilots i mean their job is not to get out there and rip balls yeah i'm just, job is I'm to just get jealous. there and get the shot that's that's what's happening i just i just wish it was me I think you're, <laughs> Joshua. I think that's like really a nice, you know, statement there. I think that's that's true. Um, Absolutely. With that reel, I think that showed a lot of those. There was a lot of different professional sets they were filming with there, but it was all shot on a GoPro. You mm. can tell that because the dynamic range wasn't there. A lot of that, a lot of the skies were blown out. That was my biggest issue with that last uh, reel. There was just like, mm, does it yeah. hold up? It holds up on a podcast or on an iPhone, but maybe not anywhere else. Yeah, I asked uh, Andy Shen about that and uh, and um, freaking Randy Slavin. I don't know if you know them. Randy Slavin mm-hmm. runs the New York City Drone Film Festival, and we did a we did a panel 
Uh, and I asked them at the end of the panel, I was like, okay, can I just, can I steal a few minutes of your time? Why in the hell are people putting cinema cameras on drone, on quadcopters, on freestyle quads? You know, like, don't like, like GoPros. I was like, it, like, and, and he gave me a, he actually said he was going to turn it into another segment, but the dynamic range, the lens selection and so on. I mean, cause my, my argument was when you're flying like a cinema rig, you have you you have the ability to sort of appreciate the image quality of the higher end camera, but when you're flying a GoPro at seventy miles an hour, zippy zippy zippy, doing flips and rolls, I, I I just felt like there wasn't that much of a difference. But they were adamant that that things like you're like, oh, the sky's blown out, like you immediately notice that. Yeah, well, the professionals notice it. The audience then is just like. You know, ninety-five percent of the people that see it are like, "Oh, that was a cool shot." Not like, "Oh my gosh, can you see how bad the dynamic range was and the color banding and the vignetting yeah. in the corners and the." It's like, okay, you're also we are we're also watching on our computers. Like, if you were to watch it and like your if we theater, shot a movie tomorrow, it's not coming out in a theater. It doesn't matter. Theaters are not <laughs> dead. Right? They are. Plus, no, I, they're not. I, I will say Randy's <laughs> first Randy's first answer was that it's all that it's about optics. That when you show up at a shoot, they don't want you to show up with a GoPro. It just doesn't look good. No, Even yeah, if absolutely. the GoPro could get the shot. Yeah. And then he went on to talk about lenses and dynamic range and all that stuff. But his first answer was optics. And I was like, I knew it. <laughs> Yeah, Josh, I, I it's, show, called, it's called show business, baby. I Woo! show I show up with pocket cinema on a drone, and then I talk them out of it. That's basically yeah. what I do when I go to set. It's like yeah, here, it's not, yeah, it's not always this. a heavy lift shot. It's not it, always the shot for the you know like the Alexa mini drone. Sometimes oh, yeah. it's an Inspire. Sometimes yeah. it's a GoPro. For sure. Nah, you just yep. you, you go in and just say, "Here's this. It costs you this much more to fly it, and I can't do these things. What can you do? Yeah." Well, I can use yeah. the GoPro for cheaper, and I can do stuff that will blow your fucking mind. Yeah. Oh, okay, let's do that. You got to charge yeah. them the large dollar amount first, and then all the rest is just and free included. Yeah. Yeah. They had this. They had this Dodge commercial. I think it was a Dodge commercial. Um, who was it? Who shot that? Was it Johnny? Beverly Hills Aerials, but they were like, man, it was maybe it was Beverly Hills Aerials and Tommy, but they they were like, oh yeah, there's drone footage in this Dodge commercial. So I watched the commercial, and it's literally like a half a second cut. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I guess technically it was there, but yeah, yikes! Yeah, that's that's pretty normal. Yeah, yeah, that's one thing that I've kind of I've stopped doing. I've gotten pretty bad at doing like whole good flights because I know that the, or like, cause I spent a lot of time thinking about like just getting that one moment, yeah. which I feel a little bit bad about. Cause it's like, Oh, all they really want is this 20 frames interstitial. Right. Yeah. Cut. <laughs> so you yeah. got to get back, Paul, you got to do your three packs a day. Try to get know, back to your freestyle man. roots. I don't have time, man. Three packs yeah. a day. I love it. That's like the best thing I've heard of. <laughs> I think uh, I think three packs a day is a good place to start wrapping it up. Joshua. Awesome. This is uh, thank you so much for taking the time to be here tonight. I want to give you some time to just plug your stuff. What do you want people to know oh, yeah. about? What do you got going on? I that the number one thing I would like to plug is uh, the flow state documentary. Uh, there's a guy out there named James Christensen. And he decided he wanted to make a documentary about FPV and then remote ID started to happen. And he was like, I got it. That's my dramatic through line. The threat of remote ID to FPV and the potential 
to get the word out about FPV to the public to present the FPV to them in a way they can relate to and be inspired by in the way that it inspires all of us. He's making a film. The name is that I think it's a working title. It may, I don't know if it's final, but it's flow state, the FPV doc or the FPV drone documentary. And the trailer just, I was like, okay, well, what are you going to make? You know? mm-hmm. and, and then I saw the trailer and I was like, holy crap. I think he's, he was actually just shooting this uh, last weekend in Atlanta. So I know he's still getting footage uh, I think he's targeting having it out sometime after 2021, but I'm trying to help him drive views to that trailer. So I'd love to put a link to the trailer down in your show notes or something. And people Absolutely. can check that out. Yep. Um, what he said to me was he's he was like, it's really important stage one of getting this film to be successful, get it on Netflix, get it on Amazon or whatever is to have this trailer have lots and lots of views so that when we go to shop it around, yep. it'll be, so I'd love for people to check that out if they have it. 100%. Everybody, awesome. go click the link in the description right now. Sweet. You can also find Joshua on YouTube. He has a Patreon. He has Instagrams. He has Discords. He has all of the things. He is more accessible than any of the other three schmucks in this, uh, <laughs> in this conversation. So, uh, yeah, if you want to talk to me, you might as well just talk to Joshua first and then he'll text me. So <laughs> he, he's also on uh, FPV know it all.com. That's this, that's his website where links to all of his videos as well. And yep. cool. thank you guys. It was yeah. good to be here. Nice talking to you guys. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you so much for taking the time. Great interview. It's, great interview. It's been great to kind of get back behind the scenes to see, you know, to kind of think about where you've been to where it's going and, and all of the good flights in between. So thanks very much for hanging out. And the this sketchy evening. flights. The sketchy and flights. Yeah. Keep flying the good flight. Yeah.